having Nathan Katzer on the show is very much a pleasure. And a very kind soul, very talented, and very humble. He helps us to see past our very own thoughts and existence and to someone else's. For what Nathan did, many would just not even think twice about how it can affect himself and others in the field that he's in. See, for what he does, this brings a lot of joy and smiles and good times to people's hearts. And since these times, obviously, things haven't been the same. I appreciate Nathan for sharing his story and using his voice to show his gratuity and letting us in and getting to know him as a person, an individual, and someone that was affected by the very things that affect us all now. Thank you, Nathan, for joining us, and I'm excited for the audience to hear your story and all you do right here on Voices of Courage. everybody welcome back this is voices of courage it's brandy J. today i have here with me the great nathan caesar hey there or just, nathan am i saying the right just help me out because i don't want to i don't want to ruin such a great name am i saying it correctly no actually yeah, it's um yeah. it's pronounced casa oh, darn it <laughs> i was way off huh <laughs> yeah yeah, no, apparently it is derived from, uh, way back in time, derived from Caesar, apparently, but no, no, it's, uh, it's taken on a, a modern, modern pronunciation, just Casa, you know. Casa, okay, I was way off, alright then, alright, okay, Casa, alright, I like that, that's unique, okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, blessing us with your presence, Nathan, so that's, uh, a very that no of course great to be here today yes so nathan could you do the list well um the listeners a uh, bonus and let them know who you are and why you wanted to join us today yeah so uh yes yeah, so, as you said my name is nathan Kassa. i'm uh, from based in sydney australia um i did oh, wow how to describe myself in a nutshell i <laughs> Oh, this is, it's always a tough question uh, in some ways. It's sometimes so easy and sometimes so difficult. Um, I would say the best way to describe me sort of professionally is I'm, I'm a professional master of uh, ceremonies, specializing in uh, weddings, corporate special events. I'm also a fleet supervisor of entertainment experience for Princess Cruises, having worked for them for the last six years. Uh, you can safely say that entertainment's been a massive part of my life. Uh, virtually even before uh, having started for Princess back in 2015. Uh, you know, I've been a, a classically trained pianist ever since uh, the age of five. 
Um, I've always loved entertaining and public speaking in front of crowds since the beginning of uh, uh, my elementary and high school years. And so I definitely, um, you know, I, I have a real passion for connecting with people. Um, I really genuinely love to make lasting memories for people, particularly in the uh, in the you know sort of the live entertainment space uh, and just just about creating those lasting memories by creating connections i think that has been some of the best memories i have and sort of uh sort of guiding stars as i carry my career personally you know i just like to think of myself as a pretty down-to-earth kind of honest guy who you know loves to you know play the old video game hang out with mates you know nothing uh nothing too crazy but um yeah, professionally, I, I do love to uh, make people smile and use my voice for good. Awesome, awesome. So I, I imagine you've built so many, so many, because you've done so many shows of so many types that you have built, like, a lot of relationships. Yeah, and it's interesting, it's sort of, my, if you were to scroll through my Facebook um, sort of friends list, it's it's funny, actually, recently I did it. Uh, I actually, I recommend slash don't recommend doing this. It's actually quite a, um, it's a strange trip down memory lane that can really invoke some odd feelings. And this is going to be sound weird, but, but carry with me on this. So recently I was adding some people to, oh, in, as invites to, oh, some, uh, I think I was putting together a new Facebook page for one of the new, uh, online virtual game shows I've created. And um, I was going through the list, you know, picking people who I'd like to personally invite to like the page. And it was really, I hadn't done this in a while. And so going through and seeing all these different names of people who I've either, you know, entertained across the world as a guest on a ship or I've personally worked with them from other countries or perhaps their old high school friends who I've, you know, fell out of or of contact or it was just sort of those random ads you have from one event I did in university many years ago and it's it's kind of odd like some people just don't evoke any feeling at all like they just you go oh yeah I remember that person but you know I don't have any sort of emotional connection to them but then obviously there are a series of people who evoke either really strong positive or negative feelings and um, it was a uh, by the end of it I kind of had to like take a step back because I wasn't quite prepared for sort of the just seeing these names and having all these memories flood back either positive or negative in the space of gee, 10 minutes was uh, quite confronting um obviously there was a lot of great memories associated with um you know some of the people who i have you know created those those genuinely great memories who i still connect with today but there are some people who i go you know you know, life is full of ups and downs. And, uh, you know, when you're reminded of those moments too, it can be, it can be tough when you confront it, even if just something as benign as looking at their name, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. You don't really think about it like that. Okay. Well, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking also, I was going to ask you and then, I, and then it, it hit me, right? I know that this is something that you love to do, you're passionate. I mean, just by looking at, like, reading and then looking at, like, all the pictures, you know, and then you spoke of smile, like, you love to help make people smile, but then, you know, you have all the smiles, too, so I know it does something for you inside, you know? So, um, 
how has it how has it, this affected you um, your passion since the you know the pandemic is here Mm. financially and all that stuff but some people like what you do that's just like a whole different you know like that's something that's like your love you know (laughs) that's a great question it's affected me in many different ways um uh well obviously for on the surface anyone can sort of you know can could very quickly you know uh, put together two and two together in their own mind that anyone that's an entertainer and anyone that has a true passion for creating those sort of you know uh, those beautiful moments with their audiences uh, and like you say you know getting those smiles on both ends anyone that's um that's not been told throughout this crisis that you know you're not essential i mean entertainment and particularly cruise ships were we're still being affected really to this day with a probably i would dare say the most impacted industry in the entire world when it came to, to COVID. today you know we are still told you know we're the first ones that people will just shut down and they will just forget about and there's no question there's no one fighting for us there's no one saying hey let's get entertainment back up first or you know there's there's no one we're we're having to do all those hard yards to get back out into the field and we're usually the last people that open the stage again compared to all the other industries around the world and it's it's amazing how quickly we're we're it's we're seen as not disposable but certainly um way less of a priority when things get tough but yet when things are great obviously everybody you know the spice of life has been able to enjoy the finer things such as you know good and great entertainment and those kind of you know special moments that only entertainment can provide for you and so having had all that taken away and stripped apart was really challenging for many many months particularly because i was the majority of the, the pandemic at least for the majority of last year, I was living in the United States and, um, it was tough. I, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a green card resident. I'd had work visa status, but I wasn't a green card resident. So unfortunately, once Princess work dried up, I was virtually just sort of, you know, I wasn't able to earn any money. And so I was, I was sort of living off the graces of those I was living with. And it was, it was tough. It was, um, hard not to be able to do the thing that I loved cruising and performing and providing entertainment and not knowing when that was going to come back um and now sort of that it's sort of rearing its ugly ugly head again now that i'm living back in australia in terms of you know the the in the lockdowns we're in again it's uh it's been tough to sort of again be told you know you're not important you know you need to take a back seat you need to move your schedule you need to be flexible about when when the world wants entertainment again and when you're allowed to do it so it's uh the smiles yeah on the pictures and all that don't get me wrong they're, they're very genuine but I, I i guess i can say i look forward to the day when i can start having those pictures again because right now it's uh those aren't happening that's all i can say yeah yeah i guess it's like that too like it takes uh you know i don't know it's just like is there a way that we can show empathy to every, you know, and I think there's a way, just, you know, I mean, because everybody, but I guess the world doesn't think that way, I guess, you know, just like, it, there's no empathy when it comes to, I guess, what business for some, but for others, it's more than just that. I don't know, because entertainment, like you said, makes us smile. And in these times, too, you know, 
people need to be lifted up and reminded, you know, why we do what we do and why we're here. So it's not all bad, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's amazing that, you know, in the same breath will will people will, you know, love to talk about the newest thing that's happening on Netflix or you know, uh, you know, holding in high regard, you know, the latest thing on Broadway or et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, very quickly once um these kind of moments in history occur, you know, obviously that we have to take we're told to take the the, um, you know, we're told to stay home and to, to take a back seat pretty quickly. And uh, it's, it's very often that I think I found one thing in this pandemic is that the world takes entertainment for granted sometimes. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have done our part. We absolutely should have. You know, I think it's uh, wholly admirable that, you know, virtually 95% of the entire entertainment industry, and I'm talking literally everyone from from the the, the most bottom tier of beginning um, people in the industry to obviously people who are quite seasoned, 95 plus percent of people have had to had to sort of you know had to depart from the screen or from the stage or wherever. Um, and I think it's incredibly admirable that we were one of the, the you know the biggest supporters of you know rolling up our sleeves and getting it done for the greater good but um it does come at a cost it does come at a huge cost huge blow to you know to uh the 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 passions the fire that live within people's hearts when they're entertainers and so i just hope that those fires come back because the world needs it yeah it truly does truly does well, have you picked up any like new hobbies or anything like you know that you probably wouldn't have done if you know this didn't happen? Hmm. Good question. Um. Well, I mean, I I certainly the pandemic opened open the well through through other reasons as well through some transitions in my life, um, some unforeseen transitions in my life. I you know I begun the new business that I have as a master of ceremonies and uh, the, the joy that I had for the short brief period of time at the around um, May, June, where I was able to do a few of my first weddings and things like that was truly great. It was to, to go out on my own as a entertainer in my own right and set my own sort of path and, and uh, profile was, uh, was really great. And it felt, felt really awesome to do top tier quality um, uh, weddings and uh, you know give my clients the nights that they really deserved um, all the other things I I actually uh, sort of not a new hobby or skill but I, I sort of you know played on one that I've been sort of dabbling in for years uh, I recently helped out a mate of mine who's um, known, for, known for many years and he's begun a chiropractic uh, practice of his in his own right he was working for a doctor and then he um, wanted to start his own practice and so I helped him to build a new website for him I basically built the whole thing for him and uh, things are going really well for him at the moment so I was able to sort of flex those skills um, a little bit more than I've been able to in the past but uh, no nothing like um, what you know none of those typical things that people said you know like oh you know learn how to make bread or you know <laughs> You've discovered how to crochet or something like that. No, nothing like that. <laughs> oh man, I don't. Yeah, I just, 
you know, I think I already just said that too because this would basically like this is what this is your you know basically your all because you know some people are everybody has gifts some people are patient some people are they have gifts of this and people have the gift that you have like entertain and, and make people you know and so it's like we all have them and so this would be like nothing you can see yourself possibly doing anything else but what you love because I feel like people should do what they love you know when it comes to you know having like a cause I don't even like college or careers because if you love it it just happens to bring you in some income so you luck up but it's what you love I don't even label them jobs or, or careers just your gift or your purpose I like purpose about to do it or you know for whatever reason life is closing those doors off to you it's um I had to watch a lot of my friends who I'd been working with ships for many years have to say goodbye to ships for one reason or another some some of it was just they needed to find another job which many of us truly did have to do or they had to pivot somehow some way to to support their family to support themselves to support their sanity and a number of those people ended up essentially just continuing that job and I don't think necessarily all of them you know regret that even though they do come from you know uh, the entertainment having been an entertainer in their own right beforehand but you know I, I, I would I would imagine there are a number of people out there in our industry who had to make those pivots because of survival as opposed to need or want and because of that because of how things are gone and how life just has sort of played itself out unfortunately what has then occurred is that that individuals had to remain in that job um despite their you know colleagues and uh fellow industrymen sort of have you know been able to return because they were in just better placed or you know right place right time and i think that that is uh, i've seen a number of people in ships for instance you know sort of relent the fact that they're unable to go back because of the way that life ended up being for them and it's not really necessarily you know you could argue that it's, it was their choice not to wait and to go get another job etc but you can't you can't blame somebody for obviously making a choice that's out of survival and then later on just you know not being optimally optimally placed to return so yeah it's definitely had to make people have had to make some really tough choices that perhaps haven't resolved revolved around you know doing the things that they absolutely love and felt you know dreamt and destined for but i hope that the vast majority of those those will continue to sort of you know find the thing that makes them happy when they wake up in the morning because that's really what life should be about yes totally i agree (laughs) i totally do um, so what is the one yeah we'll pick pick it up some and um what is one of the funniest stories that you've had in your time because i know you've had some funny ones because it's just that's the only obvious you've had like embarrassing but not embarrassing but just like one off the top of your head where just you just laugh when you just think about it and it just <laughs> that's a good question i think one of the one of the definitely the ones that really stick out for me um I hate to think that my time on board was so vanilla. It wasn't. It was just, you know, I was so, sometimes I was so focused on 
my for good reason i was you know focused on my career that i you know followed the rules more than some other people did but um there was a great time actually um we well my very last voyage as a permanently on board crew member before i moved to the head office back in 2018 i um it was our very last voyage of um on oh, mine mine and one of my mates uh, it was our uh, last voyage of the contract it was the first week in alaska and um what had happened was we for some reason we it was either we had something happen with our ship or some sort of delay or something i can't quite remember but the point is is that the ship was delayed to leaving so we 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 weren't leaving until like one o'clock two o'clock and we'd never i'd never been to juno i think it'd be very very Oh gee, maybe once or twice. I think I'd stayed out in June till ten o'clock, but um, never like late, late. So it was great, and you know, we had I had another one of my colleagues on board who was um working for head office at the time, and now he still is. But I was going to join his team very very shortly after that, a couple of months down the line. So he was on board. My other mate uh, Kevin was on board. One of my colleagues is now a cruise director for Princess, and uh, we all went out. All the all the um the whole. Uh, entertainment team went out the whole night it was great and uh the the funny part about the story is is that we were all sort of settling into this place called the 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 what's it called the viking in juno and uh quite the place it's pretty much known for you know being the bit of the dive bar in 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 juno um but it's a great place got you know pitches of beer for like 20 bucks kind of thing six six uh, pool tables all that kind of stuff so me and my mates we went out we'd you know been you know drinking all night and stuff like that having a good time now in alaska in juno they have this rule where if bars are open over one o'clock they get fined because they don't want any any bars remaining open because of you know drunkenness and stuff like that they insist that if there's a single patron in the in the premises after 1 p.m. 1 a.m. uh you know if the police come they'll find like $5,000 or something or $1,000 or something per every single patron in there and so we would, uh, we would, I was about, you know, we're talking like 12.57 and, you know, the, the, the bartender, she's telling us to leave. We're like, yeah, you know, we're leaving. We're just, you know, gathering our things and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, like, she's brandishing this bat, this metal bat. And I'm talking like this probably, you know, six foot, you know, uh, slender woman who's probably, well, I don't know, mid-twenties, you know, screaming and swearing at the top of her lungs, like, get the F out of here, you know. I already told you, so we are leaving, we are going, you know, like, don't need to be psycho, we're leaving. And um, the best part about this was as we're leaving, we're all going, we're all getting a bit upset, you know, it's like, ah, you know, we know all the people here, we come here, we cruise all the time, we'll just tell the crew not to come here, we're all, you know, kind of pissed off. Um, My mate Kevin, who's from Canada, um, he you know just knows how to make friends with anybody and uh he's just like that so as we're all sort of you know getting upset and broiling outside kind of thing making out getting getting ourselves collected and about to go back to the ship because we had to leave anyway um here he is you know taking photos with this girl outside the the bar pretending to be hit by her by the bat and the photos and then he's getting invited by them to to go to their parties at their home like their home parties to continue the party somewhere else in in juno and he's like oh i'd love to go but like i've actually got to go back to the ship otherwise i'll lose my job and so we just kind of left him we're like all right dude you you do your thing like we're going because we're not going to be late 
And so we got, we, he finally came back on board and he was showing us all these photos and we're just going, God, Kevin, you just, this is just so you. We all get chased out by a crazy woman with a metal bat in Juneau, Alaska at one o'clock in the morning. And only you could be the kind of guy that would want to be friends with said bat wielding woman in Juneau. I just, it, it's one of those memories. I know it's kind of one of those, you know, you had to be there, but if any of any of your listeners or if yourself have been to Juneau, Alaska, it definitely is sort of like another place and uh, another place in this world compared to the rest. And I'm, I'm sure that they'll probably be shaking their head, nodding their heads going, yep, I totally get what he means. <laughs> so um, definitely in terms of like time off the ship and uh, sort of shenanigans, that was probably definitely top of the list. <laughs> Oh, nothing like getting chased down <laughs> by a lady with a, a crazy lady with a bat, with a metal bat. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild. I definitely didn't expect the bat to come out from underneath the, uh, but she was very insistent. Need to get out because we are going to get fined. I was like, all right, we're, we're going. Don't worry, we're leaving. <laughs> That's a good way to get them out. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Thank you for sharing that, you know. No, of course. I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many different things. It's, it's hard when, if this was sort of a more of a cruise oriented, um, sort of presentation, it'd be easier to, to talk about some of those things that sort of more relate to ships, like sort of like the, the behind the scenes stuff. Cause there's, there's a little bit of the intangible when it comes to ships. It's, uh, there's like, there's the stuff that I could, you know, and also for the sake of time and to, to, to save your listeners' ears as well, you know, I could, you know, go on and on and on about life behind the scenes and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And there are some great stories that, that do come across there, but there is sort of intangible when it comes to cruise ship life. There's, um, it's hard sometimes to describe uh, there's like that extra five, ten percent that you won't really understand unless you've worked for ships. And that's not like some weird elitist, like, oh, you know, you're just not part of the club. Like, no, it's not one of those kind of things. <laughs> it's, and I guess it applies to many industries, but particularly when it comes to ships, it's sort of another world in of itself. It's sort of in its own special category. And because of that, it, um, it definitely, uh, there is this sort of hard to describe intangible that unless you've been specifically a crew member being in the trenches understand the day-to-day there are just some stories that <laughs> they just don't translate well when you tell them people just kind of go oh that, that sounded fun and you're like oh yeah like you know you're going through this like complete reminiscent sort of you know heaven you know and yet there people around you just going okay and you, you kind of get used to sort of, um, uh, you know, the life that you lead on a ship being less than um, less than exciting for people around you as time goes on. Like the first two contracts, you come home, people are like dying to hear every story. But once you get past that, people are pretty much like, "Oh, you're home, okay, cool." You know, you just sort of, <laughs> yeah. And you get used to that, and that's that's, you know, if people take offense to that, then they shouldn't really be. Um, they really shouldn't continue ships because you know that's what it, that's what the life is you know it's it's a job just like any other um but the good thing is is that those is, who have ever cruised at all um will always understand and sort of you know give that sort of extra nod of understanding so 
it's nice knowing that you know forever I'll always be part of that sort of global community of people who truly understand what it's like. Yeah, I can imagine that has to be like exciting because you know I'm like a water person. Like I'm not like a water person where I'd like I'm gonna dive in, you know. And I love sharks, but I don't want to swim with them. You know, like I, I, you know, my soul kind of like connects, but I can do it from afar. But <laughs> I, I haven't been on a ship. I've been like on like a little boat or like a cruise boat. Like, it didn't go too far. But how, like, how is? Let me see. How I can put this because I'm imagining it right now, right? Like if I was on one, I never, you know, and how it would be if I was like on it for an extended amount of time. But I couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm the how beautiful it looks at all times of throughout the day and where you are it has to be like kind of like inspiring or in a way yeah it definitely is you that is one of the the biggest appeals that attracts many people to join ships um there is a calm serenity that occurs if people are looking for it they can definitely find it um i mean it, it, the, the cruise ship life can easily carry you away and make you forget that there is a a sort of a beautiful nature out there and it sort of seems a little selfish to think that but to say that but at the same time when you're really looking for it it's always there I think the best comparison is sort of two th- two different scenarios. One is when we're right in the middle of Alaska season and you know we've been you know week in week out and it's yeah, you know it's been a slog and we'll get towards the end of the season and our we'll be eating in the officers mess and the the glaciers in Glacier Bay National Park will sort of show up outside our window like literally like a, a one of the you know most phenomenal peaks of nature of all time. And we'll just kind of look at it and just be like, "Oh, cool, we're at the glaciers," and then just continue on, which is obviously, if you tell that, if you would have, you know, put someone else in our shoes, they would just be in awe. They'd be like, "What? Seriously? You you ate every single week, you know, lunch with the view of a glacier outside your window?" We're like, "Yeah, yeah, we did, you know." But it wasn't like the most concerning thing. But that compare that is a comparison to like the moments that I took for myself to make sure that I um, truly took the time to sort of take in all of the nature around me one of the best things i did on board was um a program called stargazing at sea where i would guide guests to understand the stories of the 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 the, the sky and the constellations and the greek mythological stories and everything and help them to identify a couple of um of the constellations throughout the year and one of the best phenomena i've ever seen in my entire life is the northern lights and it may not be the sort of you know the the sweeping colors the fireworks sort of display that you see on TV but i did see enough of it that to actually see it in person really did sort of you know really set a mark on me and every single year that i was there around the time when it was visible i was always always out late at night even if i was going to suffer the next day you know i was always out late at night guiding guests and showing them you know just witnessing this beautiful phenomenon of nature that you know we were getting in the middle of the ocean which is just not something many people can say they've been able to do in their life and so you know it's that and seeing the you know the the, the whales and dolphins the porpoises throughout the days and um as you're sailing along and even just just watching the wake from the back of the ship 
just taking a moment where I just would get a coffee and sit there and watch the wake from the back of the ship. Like those kind of moments truly reminded me why I love what I do on board. And um, also just a level of grounding as a human being, you know, you sort of, yeah, you're this, you know, you're one person and yeah, you're, you're insignificant, but in the grand scheme of the universe, but also like, like, you know, you're there still just enjoying the moment and it was really sort of a powerful existential moment for me. So I always used to take them as often as I could. Sounds so nice too. <laughs> like I'm living like vicariously through you. I, I can just imagine uh, that moment if, if you know you know how to embrace something like that and take it in. You know, I couldn't imagine someone that like maybe they're used to it and they just don't even notice all that. They're just like, yeah, I'm here. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> you know, it's like you can heal your heart just by looking. I can just imagine. Uh, that'd be pretty awesome to, to experience. Did you ever have any fearful moments like? Like, uh, like, or any anxieties, like a Titanic moment, or you're like, oh my gosh, I hope you don't, you know. Did you have any no. like that? And then did you just have any thoughts like, could that happen? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I never felt like that. Um, no, I, although it's funny, it reminds me, you just, when you said Titanic, it reminded me of the time when, um, I think I was I was in the middle of the Caribbean back in 2016, and uh, the captain got on during April Fools and said that there was a iceberg on the port side. That was pretty funny. Um, but uh, no, um, no, I never felt any sense of um, danger or fear. Um, even you know, even when we would do, because we look, we were so drilled in with our safety procedures, and I always trusted that you know my my colleagues cared enough to make sure that when the time came, if the time came, that they would step up and do what was right. I mean, you, you talk, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are always people that groaned every single safety drill and stuff like that. And we all sort of talk about it a little bit, uh, you know, unless, of course, you're one of the... I was going to say even... If, unless, of course, you're one of the executive, but I guess even then they probably groaned too. But we all know that there is a collective understanding that we take safety seriously. And the cruise industry has really grown many, many times over the past decades in terms of, you know, where, like, the safety standards of the Titanic versus what they are today. It's one of the absolute safest safest ways to, to travel. Like, you know, I mean, when was the last time we had a Titanic event compared to, like, the last time we had a plane crash? And that's not to instill any fear in those who travel on planes. I travel planes constantly. I still don't feel, feel no fear about it either, but... You know, no, it's it's a very safe place, not only just because of the type of transportation you're talking about and the way that it's operated, but simply because, you know, the people on board, myself included, are highly trained in our safety procedures. And there's just, there's, there is so many things that can, can be done right within, um, an emergency on board these days that, uh, no, people should definitely, um, both crew and guests feel extremely confident that, uh, their safety is the highest priority. And when they say that, it's not just corporate speak. It really is true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think that, like, things will do that to you, like movies. And I think that that even happened, like, with, like we would have never seen Jaws where people had really been as scared as they were, you know, to get in the ocean. Like, so we see that Titanic and people start mm. to think, like, what if we go down? So 
you know, and when you think about it, you just said too, like how how many times have we heard of uh, anything like that since the Titanic? And that was like that we know of, that's good. So yeah, yeah, because I guess what I could be walking down the street, I could be on my bike, and I'll be most likely or my car probably to get have a situation then versus uh, a boat or a ship. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, particularly if, if you're a numbers person, let alone just, you know, common sense says that, yeah, like walking out of your house and, you know, just taking a walk around your neighborhood presents more danger, statistically speaking, than going on a cruise ship does. But, uh, you know, so we're, we're funny human beings when it comes to our um, our sense of risk aversion. So. <laughs> so I noticed, okay, because you have like... You are very talented, skilled, and just all around, just, uh, you're just all around, just well-rounded, and you, have, you just do so much, you know, you can do, you just have a lot, I'm trying to, like, find, what's the word I would, someone would use for you? I don't think you could even come up with one, could you? <laughs> oh, a lot of people have used a lot of words for me, not all of them have been great, but, you know, I'll take them all. <laughs> But I mean, it's so much. I mean, I even saw that you are, you know, and I, you know, I'm, I never claim to be like the best or even great, possibly not even good interviewer, but I saw here that you have skilled in interviewing and it didn't scare me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's your show. I'm not going to, I know, I, I even, even if I were to like, you know, whenever it comes to, I think any good entertainer, any, any, any entertainer worth their salt should know the context of when of what they're doing you know they 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 definitely shouldn't um be if if it's not their show they shouldn't be taking the show i've watched so many people um even even when it's in the same context like i've watched so many people on board and this is not directed at any any particular individual i just you know as my role as a fleet supervisor is my job to analyze performance of my 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 previous colleagues and um you know make sure that they are the best that they can be and i do have that genuinely at heart for them but you know i have watched some more raw and some less experienced um entertainers on board you know, sort of forget very quickly that sometimes even they're, like, they're not the the main host of that particular event. That they, you know, they're actually supposed to. The 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 lines were clear. They were supposed to sort of be the co-host. That they were supposed to be the sort of the the support for the uh, the event, and um, or just you know just naturally just fell into a pattern where they made it about themselves. And so there's an art. It's an art form. And, you know, I respect people like yourself who who are out there interviewing people and practicing that craft because interviews and and this form of engagement and conversation is extremely difficult and it's it's a learned skill it's not something you're not born with it i mean let's face it you're not born with any form of linguistic ability except just crying your lungs out so to go from you know you know being an infant who only communicates via crying um and expelling as much air from your lungs as possible in the most you know (laughs) the worst tones you can possibly muster to to being able to effectively draw out you know insightful opinions and commentary from you know people who perhaps you don't know 
and that as, as an interviewer, this is what you do constantly. That's um, that's quite a journey, and it's a massive undertaking. You know, it's quite the Superwoman and Superman moment to really sort of adopt that sort of calling. So, you know, um, you should be proud that you know you're you're, you're doing that, and I, I I commend anybody who. I, I commend and support anybody who who sort of does any form of interviewing in their in their workspace because um, it's not an easy skill. It really isn't. Uh, I have had many people say, "Oh, it was just a bad. It was a bad. Uh, it was a bad guest." And I go, uh, "Why? Oh, well, you know, they weren't really. They weren't really interesting. They weren't saying the right things. I just couldn't get anything out of them. So you weren't asking the right questions. You weren't asking the right questions. And you know, sometimes they look at me like I've, you know." shot them to pieces i say no it's it's just it's true you want my honest opinion you know you're you're blaming the individual that you invited into your space that makes no sense that doesn't that doesn't make any sense now there are yes there are outliers where there are people who are just droll but 99 percent of people have a story to tell you've just got to ask the right question to discover what that what what is going to entice them and compel them to tell the story Definitely. And then they've probably been interviewed so many times that like, you know, it's just kind of like nothing to them. And then if you master the craft and you ask that right question, you'll get, you know, you see a spark. That's always like mm. a good moment. <laughs> like, oh. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, definitely, definitely not easy. So, but uh, you got to put yourself out there and do something different, you know, to, to, to have something different. So, yeah. Mm. I did want to, uh, before we, because I can't keep you here all day, but I would love <laughs> to have you back because I just, I don't know, I just, I like uh, the flow, like, I could tell, like, for instance, that you, you know how it is to interview because you have sort of a, a tone, like a, a patience, and you probably already have that, but I could totally tell, like, you are, you know what it's about, you know how it is, so you just, you know. You like you're not trying to take the spot or anything, but you do have a, a patience about you. You know, some people would just be like, "Oh, <laughs> you know, with it already." You know, and so that's very appreciated, and I like, I like that. So you need to get better. <laughs> but uh, I noticed something that was amazing uh, out of uh, you know all the things that you do that res- that really resonates with me, with the uh, which you created that it's not cool the anti-bullying hmm. yeah and that's like pretty amazing because that's uh, something that I've been trying to get going on myself um, a program I had with my son I worked at a school and I, I used to teach prior to COVID and you know he right. I was working at his school too and watched him get bullied watched him not get help and then seen other things and I just said enough's enough so I, I really uh, that's pretty awesome and did you have any experience with being bullied or anything like that in this way you started? Yeah, I did. Um, unfortunately, it uh, it stemmed from, oh, I would say, virtually one of the very first days in school. Um, sort of one of my very early childhood memories was, you know, a number of vivid moments where I found myself pretty quickly the other person on the on the on the you know what i used to call the playground battlefield because every day did feel like a battlefield to some degree i had to you know if you think of a battlefield as a sort of a a playing out of tactics 
I had to sort of manipulate my own social tactic every single day to sort of navigate this minefield of potential uh, sort of negativity thrown at me every single day. And um, it started, you know, from the age of five, unfortunately, from, you know, I remember distinctly one moment, uh, sort of a strange lesson that I learned in life. And I, I'm not sure whether or not, well, I, I guess <laughs> it's a conversation for another time or perhaps the, you know, the, the psychologist's couch, but um, God knows I've had these conversations already. But it, there was this one time when someone was, uh, I don't know, they were really giving me the pips in, I don't know, they... I think I was playing dress up or something, and they either they had the police hat or something, and I and I already I had already had the police hat or something, and so I knew that I had already felt like I you know got there first and whatever. And this person came over, this kid came over, and he took it away, snatched it away from me, and it was kind of I know he did it out of the sense that he just knew, even though he was as a kid, he kind of knew that you know I wasn't liked, so treating me that way was quote unquote acceptable socially. And so I just got so frustrated. I wasn't an aggressive kid, as, 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 you know, at all. But I got so frustrated that I just I went to I yanked at his hair, and he gave a little yip. And then the teacher came over and was obviously shocked that I'd behaved that way, and told me to sit in the corner. So I did, and you know, obviously I really felt the sort of gravity of the um, the punishment I'd been given. The story didn't end there, though. So everyone else said the, the bell went and everyone, when she said, you make sure you don't leave until I tell you. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to follow you. Follow what you say. Every, all the kids left the classroom and they all went out. She left. I just watched out of the corner of my eye. She disappearing. And I thought, oh, okay, wow. This, this punishment's pretty brutal. But I guess if what I did, I deserve. No, I don't deserve any lunch. Okay. So... I would dare say I sat there for probably about maybe 25 minutes before the teacher arrived back into the classroom. And by the way, I don't want to paint a bad picture of her. She was an incredible woman, um, probably one of the greatest influences that I had. She encouraged my mum to to get me into piano, and which has been a big part of my life as well. And so, like, don't get me wrong, like, like she's not a horrible woman or anything. She was actually an incredible sort of foundation to my both my learning and just me as a human being you know this is just a genuine mistake on her part so she found me and she was like oh my god i'm so sorry like what the what oh wow i can't believe you didn't say anything so but you you know i can hear this in bawling my eyes like oh, but you said me so i wasn't able to go she says i'm so sorry look come out she, she took me out and you know i probably spent about 10 minutes eating my lunch by myself and then you know uh <laughs> um sort of you know but i'll never forget that moment because it kind of felt really unfair. It felt so unfair that I'd got caught for reacting and sticking up for myself. And I was the one that got punishment. And I think obviously, of course, you know, that's life, right? Like no one, you know, the courts don't care necessarily if like one of my colleagues is being a bully to me, but then I take, you know, I do something that's illegal, that's, that hurts them or, you know, infringes upon them in some way, shape and form. The court just says, well, no, you performed this action. Now here's the consequences. So obviously I learned that lesson, but I found a lot of my life has been a lot about that. It's sort of just been this, that string of, you know, things where I just felt like I, I was, I had to make the choice every day. Do I react and potentially have the problem of what I felt like? What I, I've had the same kind of thing happen to me as it did when I was in kindergarten, where I got was the one in trouble, or do I just sort of keep my mouth shut and deal with it? And 
internalize it. And unfortunately, for many years, I did, and it really did craft me into a very shy, shy introverted individual who just sort of, you know, I was happy to some degree, but I was, you know, wouldn't say I was depressed as a kid, but I certainly felt, you know. I didn't enjoy, never enjoyed the fact that I didn't have many friends and the friends that I did have usually were the first to drop me when different things happened. Not all of them, but the vast majority of them. But, you know, I clung on to what I could cling on to because, you know, otherwise I would have nothing. So I created the program primarily for two reasons. One, it was uh, the second year of a two-year competition that was ran between new sevens and eights um, across the entire state of New South Wales and Australia for, to design some form of, you know, uh, social or engineering projects that would change the world or have some sort of social impact. And I was keen on winning the state award prize, which I'd missed out on the previous year. And um, so that was obviously one motivation, but the bigger motivation too was obviously being able to tell a story and be able to sort of fuel my own sort of desire to to take the experiences that I'd had, but at this point being, you know, 14, 15, wanting to take the experiences that I had and sort of, you know, make a difference instead. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, another story for another time, but uh, long story short was that it sort of evolved into uh, a program that was partnered with the West Tigers National Rugby League team in uh, my local area, along with an anti-violence movement by the name of Enough is Enough in um, the in Sydney. And uh, they adopted the program and we launched the program into uh, nine different schools, uh, uh, elementary schools across the Southwest Sydney region. So this was all when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16 as well. And so I was really grateful that I was given some some sort of sort of uh, clemencies with, you know, missing school in order to go do these presentations and all this kind of stuff as well. But uh, for a time, you know, it was really healing and also just genuinely good to be able to have an impact on kids and tell my story. Um, and it's been a while since I moved on from the program that sort of, I've been able to really share it in the forum. So I appreciate you asking about it because, um, yeah, it was a, it was a time when I, I, I used that program both for my own personal healing, but of course the bigger thing was to, to really bring a message of hope to others. And um, I feel like I did make a difference. And, you know, I think the biggest thing was, you know, even if you make, I think if anything you do in life, if you at least make a difference for one person, then what, you know, the human race is, you know, already, you know, we've already evolved, we've already, you know, leveled up, you know, and so um, I know that I've made a difference in people's lives and I just hope that, uh, yeah, I can continue to do that either through the entertainment that I offer or, you know, through whatever else I end up, you know, sort of creating or doing in my life, you know. Thankfully, I'm only 29 so far, so, you know, I'm not, uh, I've got hopefully a couple of couple of years left in me, so... Creative creatives always find a way something creative or will have those aha moments and you'll be like, oh, you know, and then you all of a sudden get inspired and you're like, <laughs> like, where's the pen? Where's the. <laughs> so, yeah. Even in the worst of times, you know, I find something. But um, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, sharing sharing your stories with me. Um, of course. Good. I, I appreciate that you came on and you 
share with the listeners your passion and also let us you know let us in let us know how how you know you can tell through your voice and everything how passionate you are and how it affects you and you know that we're and we're real people you know what I mean like we're not just people with you know what people are real <laughs> you know yeah. and I like to have my listeners the audience when I have a guest see that you know like these like the human side because sometimes people don't really register even though like they're right there even if it's you're listening or they're on tv that they're a person and and when you can um humanize that i think that's the word with someone you get to see another side i think that's when empathy and all that stuff starts to kick in you're right and i I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to to share those today you know it's um yeah i i it's you're right there is a fine line between uh, a genuine sort of approach and feeling to hearing somebody offer themselves and then of course you know the world is so saturated with fakeness and you know uh, ulterior motive and people who only desire to you know um be a part of a platform just to sort of elevate their own selfish desire i mean I don't know, I've always been brought up with the idea that, you know, the, the, the selfish desires, you know, uh, even if you do end up living a life like that, they're short-lived. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't register long-term and people aren't really happy when you live a fake life. And the world, you know, gives us so many reasons and opportunities to be fake. I mean, geez, that's the exact reason why TikTok exists, but it's, <laughs> you know... Um, I'm look, don't no disrespect anyone that does any TikToks that are genuine, of course, but you know, like I, I, I just think that you know, there are so many ways that people have profited, uh, both you know, sort of personally in terms of you know, fame and fortune, ego and everything, but also you know, financially, um, from being fake. That you know, I guess I'd rather in my life, you know, live a much more genuine life, and if I make a mistake, I'll, I'll make up for it if I you know, think I can do better, I will make sure I do better. Um, and I think that's all we can really do is just be better individuals and be better individuals for other people. And, you know, the, the goodness and wholesomeness of human nature really will, will come to play. And hopefully we can, you know, bring a little bright spark and happiness and joy to what can often be a dark world. So that's, that's, I don't know, I guess it's, some of the reasons why I end up waking up in the morning sometimes, you know. That was well said. Very beautiful because people need to, I need to get this one out now because people need to hear this, what you just said, because people are out here crazy right now, like just going at it. And I'm just like, I had an anxiety attack earlier and I just, I had prayed and I willed it back in, but I was like, get together, (laughs) but it just hurts so much to see how the world is just, and I'm like, do nothing about it like what can I do I can't just sit here (laughs) so to hear you say that you know reminds me that we can you know hopefully get to the heart I think that's what it's going to be about touching somebody's heart like getting registering to that human part people like hey something you know beautiful and maybe that moment where you realize what so yeah I appreciate that of course well can you bless the listeners, the audience, my great audience, family, <laughs> and let a, let them know where they can find you, your business, and 
if you have any um uh, well yeah i know you have your website your link social media if you don't mind sure yeah so uh i currently live on the web at uh simply at nathan casa that is c-a-s-s-a-r dot com dot au um make sure you add the dot au i don't own the dot com because uh yeah live in america so um yeah .com.au um that's where my main uh, sort of master ceremony stuff lives i try to try my best to add some stuff to my blog from time to time um but uh i'd love to yeah all the means of being able to communicate with me via email um uh, mc at nathancasa.com.au i'd love to you know just if anyone just wants to randomly shoot me messages it'd be nice to get an email that's not a spam message for the 50th time in the day telling me that my website's broken and i need to uh you know donate to this this person in china or something um or you know or, or we've done an audit on audit on your website you know please sign up now i'm like please know um so it'd be nice to get an email that's uh, hey how's it going i'd love to get a chat i'm also obviously available on facebook um nathan mc is the way to find me um and on instagram i believe i'm nathan underscore mc not hard to find me all my links are on my website anyway so um yeah it's not hard to find from that point so much and you know you're welcome back here Annie and every time you're now an honorary family member of Voices of Courage well it's a pleasure to be that I, I, I brandish that with pride thank you so much thank you and um, I'll be this will be probably out like to, I'm hoping for tomorrow but I'll definitely um, give you a heads up and then send you over everything so if you, you can go ahead and post it if you like yeah, that'd be wonderful. I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to be able to do that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And everybody, this was Nathan Kazar. I said it right this time. Yay! Ooh, so close, <laughs> so close. Kazar. Kazar. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I love the passion bit. and the 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 energy <laughs> behind it too. It sounded great. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be better next time. <laughs> it's all good it's all good thank you brandy i appreciate your time today you too you have a good evening thank you you too bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.